0: Come unto me, yore ye there lay.
1: Heather and I rehearsed all of those parts beforehand, but <coughs> she told me she could only sing one note at a time. So um, that You've heard that passage before from Matthew 11, put to music by the incredible vocal group Take Six, um, and they do something that I love musically with this song, uh, and, and even if you don't know music theory, I'm sure that you felt it, and it's this. Uh, That entire song, uh, the music is in some sort of tension. Um, There's always some note or three notes that take a chord and and just kind of, they make your head do this sort of a thing, you know, where you're not, it's like, ooh, that was good, you know. But at the very end, finally, with the very, very last phrase, my burden is light, finally the song resolves. And it's the first time in the entire song that you're home. Musically, and I'm I'm guessing that you kind of felt that as you listened to that song. As they worked through this very simple passage, Um, at the end, finally, musically and theologically, we're home. At that rest, think of that. Remember that song. Remember that passage. We're going to come back to that. Uh, Last week, we looked at the first four verses of the Book of Hebrews. Uh, and we we highlighted how Christ is the uh, the creator, the sustainer, and the heir of all things. And in particular, we looked at what does it mean that Christ is the sustainer of all things, the sustainer of you and I and of everything that he has made in the world. Uh, my suggestion at the end is that one of the ways we can put that into practice, one of the ways we can experience Christ as the sustainer of all things is by engaging more in this, what Paul calls this praying without ceasing, this ceaseless prayer where every moment um, there's the opportunity to have this ongoing conversation with God. And and as we do that, as we put into practice this praying without ceasing, we might get more and more of a sense, more and more of a a taste of Christ as our sustainer. And after the service, this guy came up uh, named Chris and introduced himself, and he was like, so I, um, I made an app for that. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I made an app called Ceaseless Prayer. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. And he did. And it's really good. And we have a, a slide, I think, for keep going. Yeah, you should download it. It's really excellent. And what it is is it's a, an app that simply uh, gently reminds you to pray for three of your uh, contacts, three people in your contact list today with the vision that, um, that we pray for the world, three friends at a time. Uh, and, anyways, it was, I, I was like, well, as a preacher, I'm always looking for uh, practical application. Uh, and here we have a literal application, an app, for the sermon last week. This morning, I want to actually kind of just further along this notion, this, this sense and this truth, that Christ is the sustainer of all things. Uh, to, to follow up with that, I want to explore the rhythm of work and rest as the Bible speaks of these rhythms of life, Um, and to receive and respond to this invitation that you heard in the song, that Jesus has come unto me, all you who are weary, and all of you who labor, and I will give you rest. There is throughout Scripture this understanding of of work and rest as a rhythm of life that God calls us into. And I think that as we step into this rhythm, as the Scriptures describe it, uh, we will also experience And taste Jesus as the sustainer, the sustainer of our work, but also, in particular, the sustainer of our rest. Uh, This invitation to rest, if you're like me, immediately brings up defensiveness. Because I hear this invitation to rest, and I'm like, I know, I know I should rest, and, and then I start to get sarcastic and I'm like, well, you know, I'll just slide it in in between all of the working and the parenting and the commuting and the living in Seattle with really high housing expenses. And I know, I'm just saying in general, people commute. Our commute is, by God's grace, not too long. Um, but I don't know if you feel that sort of defensiveness rise up when, when people talk about Sabbath or rest and you're like, yeah, I'll just, you know, cut all these things out of my life and do it. I feel that, so I'm just confessing that that's my initial reaction. And what I what I would simply ask of you is this, to, to do your best this morning. I mean, you're, you're here. You're not doing anything else. To try and enter in while you're here, enter into this rest that Christ is inviting you into, to set those objections aside. And I think my, my hope is that this this rhythm of work and rest can become something that we practice in every moment. That we get uh, we get a taste of Christ's sustaining power, whether we are working, whether we are resting. That we would be able to respond to this invitation that He offers us. So, the last thing I want to do is lay a guilt trip on you, because that is uh, a not very effective and just not helpful, and not the what not what God desires. Jesus, Jesus doesn't berate people for not resting. He just He invites, he says, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So I want to read uh, two different passages, one of which you already heard in the song. This is a, a little bit of the context from which that comes from. This is Matthew 11. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. I want you to remember that next time the kids are getting a little crazy in worship. (laughs) You have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden light. And from Exodus 20. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. and made it holy. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word for us this morning. And our prayer and our hope is that you would open our ears, that we would hear you speaking through your scriptures, through these songs, through everything that happens here this morning, that our ears would be tuned to your voice, that as we go out into our weeks, as we go out into the world, we would be more and more aware of your presence, your sustaining power in our lives. And that in your grace, we would be able to respond to this invitation to rest, to rest in you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So Jesus, as the sustainer of all things by his powerful word, that's how the author of Hebrews puts it, he invites us into this rhythm of work, and rest. And in particular, I want to look at, at rest. Um, we can look at rest from a variety of angles, from a variety of perspectives. One would be this uh, simply out of a place of obedience. And this is a legitimate way that in which we can look at this, right? This is a command to keep the Sabbath, to rest as part of our weekly rhythm. Um, that's, a, that's a part of the, of the story. We can also look at it from all of the massive amounts of scientific data that is available to us on how valuable rest is for the entire person, right? Uh, mentally, emotionally, physically. Like it has all of these benefits. And there's all kinds of research out there, and you should read it, that is uh supports this uh this sense that this is this is how God has made us, this is good for us. Um, a number of you know John Medina. He's a, a scientist here in Seattle who wrote a book called Brain Rules, and he has an entire chapter devoted to how sleep is so good for the brain, and how sleep, getting enough sleep, improves uh, cognitive functioning exponentially, and how when you're sleep deprived, um, bad things happen. Yeah. So I, this morning, uh, I, I, wanna, I want us to focus in on rest, to look at this invitation that Jesus offers us. And I thought I would do it by, by looking at what rest is not, because I think we have a lot of, uh, there's a lot of noise in our world, a lot of uh, ways that we could perceive rest that I think are not what, uh, not the way the Bible talks about it. So first of all, m- biblical rest is not purely utilitarian, Right? uh, All of this research on the benefits of of rest on our body, it's true, there are all these benefits, but that's not the primary purpose of resting as Jesus invites us to rest. Uh, The primary purpose of rest and Sabbath is to pay attention to God, to reorient us towards towards God's presence, God's reality in our lives and in our world. In that Exodus passage I read, the Sabbath is described as a day unto the Lord. It's it's for the Lord. Tim Keller says that the whole point of Sabbath is to take joy in what God has done, to reorient us as we are constantly losing sight and constantly forgetting towards what God has done, and who God is. So rest has wonderful benefits for all of who we are, but it is not primarily utilitarian. It's primarily oriented towards reorienting us towards God. Uh, secondly, rest and Sabbath are not to be approached legalistically. It's not about the rules. Um, Jesus makes this invitation in Matthew 11 to come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And immediately after that, Jesus and his disciples are walking through the fields, and they're just picking heads of grain off of the wheat as they walk by and eating it, which is one of the most restful images I could imagine. And the Pharisees are like, oh, that's harvesting. That's work. Shame on you guys. And I'm sure that Jesus did an eye roll, because I'm sure that that's been a thing for forever. He's like, you guys don't get it. That's... this is where he says that the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He's in charge of the Sabbath. And then to prove it, and also just to reveal how far off the rails they've gotten by trying to make it legalistic, he heals a man with a shriveled hand on the Sabbath to show, A, that he's Lord of the Sabbath, and that it's not about rules, it's not about do's and don'ts. It's about responding to this gracious invitation to rest, to experience Christ as the sustainer of our lives. Third, uh, rest is not the ultimate goal. Um, this, this might be reflected in the attitude of working for the weekend, right? You put in your time so that you can play and rest, and the weekend is all, what it's all about, and the rest of time we forget about that. No, it's, this, is, this is where we understand this is a rhythm that is being established of work and rest. This is, this is how the Bible talks about work and rest. It's this rhythm. Um, Part of of the command to observe the Sabbath assumes that work, which is something that God gave Adam and Eve before the fall, work is not in and of itself part of the fall. Toil is, but work is part of the good creation that God has given us. And, And the command to observe the Sabbath assumes work. It assumes that we are contributing to our world with all the energy, creativity, service, and love that God has given us. So we look... To this creation, this week of creation in Genesis as a model for this rhythm of work and then rest. So rest is not the ultimate goal, but it's just it's part of this rhythm. So fourth, uh, biblical rest is not something that we earn. Right? We receive rest as a gift from God, but we don't work to earn it. And one of the ways that Uh, We see this, uh, again, in the creation account, and and this actually works its way out in in how the people of Israel and and even uh, Jews today understand the day, how they understand when the day starts and stops. My day starts when I wake up, and it ends basically about the time that I fall asleep. The Jewish day starts with the falling asleep, right? It starts the moment you close your eyes or sundown, uh, the Sabbath starts at sundown on Friday. That's the beginning of the day. And so you start your day with rest. That's the first thing. You receive it as a gift. And then the rest of your day is a response to that when you're awake. Um, that's, that's one of the fundamental rhythms of, of life in the Bible as well, that everything that we do is a response to what God has already done. and So we receive our day first in rest, in this, in this state that some have called the closest to death that we'll ever experience before we die, right? This sleep uh, is this, there's all kinds of studies about sleep and how it's this weird, you know, our mind is active and working and making connections, but our body is resting and anyways, off on a tangent there for a second. But that's the rhythm of, of, of understanding our day as beginning with grace, beginning with rest and, and a gift that we receive. And then the rest of our day is lived in a response, a grateful response to that. So we don't earn rest, we we receive it as a gift. Finally, biblical rest is not efficient. Uh, In fact, it exposes efficiency as an idol in our lives. Uh, There are many, many industries, many parts of our world these days where efficiency is the goal. And there are many things in my life that I want to be efficient. Efficiency is not bad. I want my car to be efficient. I want to do my taxes efficiently. I don't want to do my taxes leisurely. I want to do them efficiently. Um, I don't want an eight-minute ab workout. I want a seven-minute ab workout. <laughs> right? But we, we, every, every industry, there are, there are places and ways where efficiency... It's all about efficiency. Um, and, and again, much of that is good. But there are many places of life, many places in life where efficiency has no place. Love being one of them. You cannot love efficiently. In fact, I would say that efficiency and love are opposites. Maybe even more so than hate and love. I would rather be hated by someone than be treated efficiently by someone. Because if they hate me, at least they're putting in some energy, right? <laughs> but if they treat me efficiently, they can just discard me on as they go by. I'm just sort of a, I'm a, I'm a an interruption right? Relationships, especially our relationship with God, uh, efficiency just has no place there. And so rest, as we enter into it, it reveals uh, our tendency to idolize efficiency and and it counteracts that. It builds in us a resistance to wanting to make everything efficient in our lives. I want to ask you a question, and I actually, I want you to think about this, and I'm going to have you turn to someone near you and and give an answer. But I want you to think about what is already there in your life that pushes back against this tendency towards efficiency, towards being super efficient at everything, as quickly as possible doing every task. What's there in your life that could be, if we viewed it rightly, uh, an, an invitation? It could be a way that Jesus is inviting us into a moment of rest, into a moment to resist the idol of efficiency. Things that help us slow down. What is is already there in your life? Maybe it's children. Maybe it is your commute. Maybe it's uh, other people in your life. Maybe there's rhythms and habits that you have established at the beginning of your day or at the end of your day that help you slow down, that help you resist doing everything as efficiently as possible? Maybe you have set aside some time in scripture and prayer. Maybe there's a walk that you take. But what is that thing, or or some things, already present in your life that might actually be a way that Jesus is inviting you to experience his rest? Two minutes. Turn to someone near you and just Mention one of those things that as a possibility, (laughs) I was thinking about the ride the drive to Spokane. We can't make that any any quicker. So I can either view it as a frustration or a chance to rest. So this, maybe this was an easy question to answer. Maybe this was, uh, That was that was not two minutes, I know. I didn't have my phone up. I'm trying to be efficient in this sermon. We've got to... <laughs> if I interrupted you, then just continue the conversation after church. That's, that's, the, that's the way to do this. I was, uh, I was thinking, uh, we just drove to Spokane and back. And the drive to Spokane is the drive to Spokane. There is no other way to get there other than by hitting I-90 and driving until you hit Spokane. And, uh, and on our way there, it was, it was rough traffic. It took us five hours to get to Ellensburg. That's the appropriate response to that. <laughs> um, but I found myself thinking about this on the drive. Like, this drive, it, it is what it is. And I can either be frustrated by it, uh, which I was at times, or I could, I could allow myself to pause, to be reminded of the glory of God's creation, because it's a beautiful drive. And uh, it it presented itself to me as just a thing that was in my life that I could either take as a frustration, as an impediment to an efficient life, or as a chance to slow down, to become a little more aware of God's presence in the world. Um, I I am by no means an expert on this. I feel a little bit uh, sheepish even preaching about this because uh, I live... Like many of you, I live in a busy, busy city. I have children. I work a full-time job. Uh, There are not many gaps that are naturally present in my life if I don't carve them out. And uh, my hope for myself and for us is that these things that are already present in our lives, that we might be able to see them and experience them more and more as invitations that Jesus is offering to us to to come away with him and to rest, to push back against the tendency towards efficiency in every area of life. Eugene Peterson, uh, when he describes the activities that are appropriate for Sabbath kind of rest, he talks about playing and praying. And he says that they they do two different things, both of which are wrapped up in this biblical notion of rest and Sabbath. The playing pushes against our tendency towards making everything efficient and practical and utilitarian. It just helps us to delight in the world that God has made. That's the value of play. It pushes back against efficiency. And then prayer, of course, orients us towards God. It draws us into the, the reality that God is alive and at work and present in our lives and in our world. And so playing and praying have become his uh, two key words for, for Sabbath rest One of the ways, and I'll I'll end with this here, one of the ways that I am attempting to do this, that I'm attempting to live uh, into a more Hebrew view of my day, (laughs) is that I have moved my phone charger away from my bed. I know, it's radical. (laughs) Uh, It's actually all the way downstairs, which uh, I'm hoping it grows to be annoying enough that I don't even bring my phone upstairs. I'm not there yet. Work in progress. But uh, what it does is it, it it moves my phone away from my bed so that it's not the first thing and the last thing that I, I look at before I go to sleep and when I wake up. And it it helps me, I, I should confess, I'm new at this. I've been doing this for like a few weeks maybe, not that long. I'm hoping though that in time as I become less and less connected to this device, which is wonderful, I love phones, but they cannot be they can at times be distractions. I think we would all agree. Um, I'm hoping that that frees me up as I enter into my rest. At the beginning of my day, I'm hoping I get reoriented towards God and receiving the sleep that I'm about to enter into as a gift. That when I wake up, checking news or Facebook isn't the first thing I do, but my mind and heart are, are, are reoriented towards God's presence in my life responding to the the grace and the the rest that I've already received. And thus, beginning my life and beginning my day with rest then sends me into the the rest of my day and the rest of my week, this this work and rest rhythm that is how God has made us, what he has made us for. So again, in closing, I want to say again this, uh, this invitation that Jesus gives to you and to me. Lord, as we come to the table this morning, to the table that you set for us to receive this bread and this cup as your body and your blood poured out for us, we remember the burden that you took on our behalf as you offered up your life for ours on the cross. Forgive us, Lord, and give us your grace. open our eyes and our ears that we would see and hear your grace and this this gracious invitation to enter into rest, to practice it, to get better at resting. And that as we do that, that we would experience you as the sustaining power of our lives. So fill us with your spirit as we partake in bread and drink from this cup, that we would be sent into our weeks not with a sense of striving and with the sense of, of of this this manic pace that so many so many of us live with, but send us into our week from a place of ease and relaxing, trusting, trusting in you.
0: Help us, Lord. Amen.